Hello and welcome to Chandra's Tales. Today, the story is The Cadaverous Chief. Kolya screwed up his eyes at the scorching summer sunlight. Coupled with the constant popping of the flashbulb lights, he had begun to realize that being the favorite grandchild of a distinguished and long-living chief minister was probably not such fun after all. Baba had insisted that he accompany him to the village. How could he refuse? It was a singular honor. After all, Baba had a horde of grandchildren to choose from. There was much obvious envy and he had overheard some older cousin remarking that it was because Kolya's mother's looks with her peaches and cream complexion and innocent wide eyes that had gone in his favor. Kolya wanted to throw up. Jealousy could drive people to such insanity. He adored his mother. She touched his world with magic. Everything took on a brighter hue <clears throat> the moment she entered the room. Daddy always followed her around with a look of utter dumb devotion. Well, he couldn't be blamed. Neeraj was born with bulging eyes and cold black skin that was covered with white patches which had over a period of time made interesting designs all over his body. Jyotiska, his wife, would often laugh and call him her patchwork man. He didn't mind. He was well aware of the fact that Jyotiska had come to him when her father was caught in the now-forgotten sugars export scam. Jyotiska's father was the secretary, Ministry of Industries, and had been and had allowed the export of sugar when even the domestic consumption could not be met. This had led to the government being forced to import sugar at far higher prices <coughs> to appease the local minority. There had been charges that several hundreds of crores of rupees had been siphoned off. Neeraj was at that time studying management at one of the foreign universities, essentially just utilizing all the black money hoarded up by his father and generally having a good time till he could have to get back to the family business of governing the state. The deal had gone through smoothly enough on the surface, Jyotiskar's father even parting with some of the loot in the dowry. Neeraj's father was the nephew of the all-powerful Chief Minister Pandit Jaikishan Ram. The marriage had been touted as a love match, as Jyotiska belonged to a higher caste than his. She had just finished her graduation from Delhi and her passion for Russian literature led her to calling her son Nicholas Kolya for short. Somehow that had suited him and it stuck, as he had also been coal black like his father, so instead of plain Kalu, he was a more stylized Kolya. Few would have known the hysteria that followed the suggestion that Jyotishka marry Neeraj. Looking now at her cheerfully smiling visage, her mother, already in deep depression following the threats of raids, had not the strength to take on the fresh attack. It would be better if I go to jail than marry that lout, had screamed an indignant Jyotishka. 
Her father bent his head in resignation. Neeraj's father has been helping me out, you know. Once she had a glimpse of Ravinder uncle who had been accompanied by his son Neeraj. The marriage was also part of the contract to bail Jyotishka's father out. Of late, Ravinder, the CM's nephew, had emerged as the most powerful man in the getting things done scenario. Whether it was routine transfer of officers or of granting permission for projects or protecting corrupt officials from legal process, Ravinder was the man to contact. Of course, all this came with a fee and Jyotishka's father had to part with his daughter as well. However, he was a man who could turn this to, to great advantage. Beta, you will go to the CM's Saab's house as his bahu. His own too having settled abroad, you would be the one wielding all the power, he had whispered meaningfully. Somehow that had dulled the disappointment to a degree and fanned the flames of a latent desire for the glamour of power politics. Baba, I want to go and rest in the van, pleaded Kulia, looking at his mother for encouragement. Her face was covered dutifully behind a transparent chiffon sari. She appeared mysteriously more beautiful. Aajkal ke bachche, drawled Baba, can't put up with any discomfort, dismissing him with a wave of his hand as solicitous hangers-on led him to the air-conditioned comfort of Baba's van. Kolya, once inside the van, breathed easy. The heat, dust and the flies had been instantly eliminated from his environment. Aha, Kolya Babu, don't be so obviously uncomfortable of the heat and dust if you have to rule this country, stated a tall, muscular man. Kolya looked up at his sneering face. He knew that it was he was in some way related to him. But then, anybody hanging around Baba was a relative. But I don't want to rule this country, or any other for that matter, protested Kolya. Ah, that's what they all say in the beginning, came the cynical reply. I just want to be a teacher when I grow up, Kolya stated firmly. Ah, that's exactly in the footsteps of our Baba. He would be thrilled to hear you say that, came the booming voice of his kaka. Kolya will do us proud one day, he ended with a beaming smile. Several other gun-toting young men also spilled into the van. Baba mein himmat hai, even at this age, commented one of them. This despite three bypass heart surgeries and the liver transplant and kidney transplant came the familiar signal was. Kolya noticed that the man was pushed into the shadows by his kaka's cronies. Chupkar, Bishan Singh. You know Baba has been blessed by Mahadev. He will have a very long life. Besides, so long as he lives, we all prosper, shouted one of the gun-toting young men. It may be true for you, but for the rest of us who have dared to protest against the famine doles that have been pocketed by the likes of you, we are implicated in false cases daily, came the mocking reply. There was a hurried, whispered conversation between Kolya's kaka and another muscular man, followed by a scuffle 
and Kolya watched as the cynical man was dragged outside the vehicle. From the window, Kolya saw that Bishan Singh was being thrashed soundly. Kaka kicking him hard, leaving the man breathing in pain. He heard Kaka shouting to the sorry-looking constable on guard duty, Never allow this man near Baba. Ji, sir. Hukam, sir. The guard had looked like an interested spectator. Kolya wondered if there were been some serious attack on Baba, he would have remained just as nonplussed. No wonder Kaka and his friends were Baba's personal bodyguards. One just could not trust anyone these days. There was some activity outside. Kolya watched Baba entering the van, everyone standing attention. Kolya also made a move to go outside, but Baba caught him. It was more a command than a question. She's coming with the woman, Sir Panch, sir, came the immediate reply from the collector. I don't want that fat woman here. I've had enough of her during the celebrations. Yes, sir, I'll send her away. You need to rest, Sukum. A look of understanding passed between his Baba and the bald, paunchy, pockmarked collector. Come, Kolya, you must have your lunch at the circuit house. Baba held out his hand. Kolya was reluctant to leave. He wanted to be with his mother. She'll come a little later. You go now. Baba sounded impatient. Far higher prices. <coughs> Would they be discussing secrets? Mama never kept any secret from him. He was being pushed gently outside. He just caught a glimpse of his mother's dimpled smile from behind the veil as she vanished inside. Kolya bhai, wake up. It's time to get back. Ranbir was shaking him awake. He was a personal attendant complainant of his. He had come from Baba's village with the sole purpose of looking after Kolya. Ranbir had been a thin, half-starved child of 14 when he had arrived. Now with regular government job as a peon in the university library, he had grown into a healthy young man. His loyalty or devotion could not be doubted. As he married, his loyalty or devotion could not be doubted as his material progress was directly dependent on Baba's. He could be trusted with the family's secrets. Ranbir knew a few other such men who through such devout service had reached the top of the ladder from the bottom of the heap. His father's friend whom he called Kaka Burelal had advised him, a good servant has no tongue, though he hears and watches everything. Never make the mistake of talking about these big people outside. Ranbir had heeded the advice well, and today he was one of the trusted family retainers. Ranbir also hoped someday to have a grand house in the city, a swanky car and all the trappings of power. Look at Bhurelal Kaka. He even managed to get that huge industry set up. Now he was aiming to get the party ticket, all because he had quietly and dutifully looked after Baba's physical needs. Ranbir was aware of the ugly rumours that Kaka Bhurelal's wife was supposed to be close to Baba, that her eldest son was supposed to resemble Baba. He had the same hooked nose, beady little eyes, but what gave him away were the pouting thick lips, 
nobody could say that he had inherited it from his mother or burelal mama mim sab kahan hai asked kolia insistently she's gone ahead with some other women when we had informed him kolia got up angrily he had come to this god forsaken village only because she had pleaded with him and now she had left without him okay so it was supposed to be a grand occasion after all not every village could boast of such a celebrity son a man who had lived to be a 90 and a chief minister for over two decades and a stint as the home minister at the center a potential prime minister given his status as leader of the backward classes a supposedly secular credential his detractors claimed that he revealed his secular choices only in his preferences for women and of course luck he had outlived all his adversaries he appeared invincible almost immortal having survived two heart attacks one of which had been near fatal even his sons from the first wife had begun making their exit from this world his second wife represented the modernization that came with power she had been a young student at the university who had come to invite him to address the seminar on the role of women in generating political awareness in society she really had stars in her eyes she was so openly in awe of this young and dynamic chief minister baba had been sufficiently enamored by her to think of remarriage his wife of many years had been very much in the know and had reacted to it by going to the media about the illegalities of such a bigamous marriage normally cool and affable jay kishan ram had broken into a fury over the machinations of his two brothers in law he ranted at the guts of these two men particularly the young man whom he had helped in his export business to come and encourage his wife to rush to the press like this it was rumored later that shanti bai had collapsed in the bathroom it was given out that she had died of a massive heart attack tongues wagged expressing that not everything were as natural as it was being made out to be sources close to the family did mention that the body was unnaturally bloated and had a bluish tinge there was some talk of a hysterical scene of threats of suicide shanti devi had been married to him for donkey's years had be- had borne him six sons in a row of which only two survived like any patient long suffering wife she had turned blind eye to all his philandering ways taking joy in his political successes never resenting the fact that her husband treated her a little better than a maid servant she found solace in the fact that her younger brothers were making tremendous economic progress in fact she could hardly recognize them in their new garb of blue jeans and cool white t-shirts moving around in swanky cars even their wives initially expressed their newfound wealth by wearing heavy gold jewelry which was slowly replaced by more sophisticated designer jewelry and designer sarees the children were sent to the most expensive boarding schools of masuri it hurt shanti devi that even her own sons and the younger lot of nephews and nieces treated her 
with open contempt at her old-fashioned ways. The children were smart enough never to really cross the limits of decency, as they were well aware of the power equations, but the polite smiles were difficult to hold on for long. Poonima was almost half his age. Shanti Devi had taken umbrage, cried and pleaded with him in turns, Where will I go? To the house built in the village. All your needs will be taken care of. She had never felt so betrayed. She had been aware of how Punima had been introduced into student politics. She had been a ready learner and with the chief minister encouraging her, she had soon become an important campaign manager. As elections came in, came on, she graduated to being a member of the Legislative Assembly. Shantibai had suppressed her resentment at all the public functions that they went together. After all, Poonima was supposed to be an efficient Minister of Welfare. Whose welfare? wondered Shanti Devi, her thin frame trembling with the new revelation. Poonima's parents were putting pressure. They did not want their daughter's name to be sullied. There was some mention of a Bombay-based businessman for, of her community who had agreed to tie the knot with her. Jai Kishan Ram had been behaving like a love-smitten teenager. He just would not hear of Shpunima's marriage with anyone else. The marriage was quiet. After all, it was only six months since the death of Shanti Devi. The rest of the family watched. How could the new woman perform? Poonima, despite her craftiness, slipped up, making an enemy out of Burelal Kaka. She had been very tactful in handling her stepsons. Here, her father had helped in a discreet, traditional manner, tied up with Shanti Devi's brothers. And once they were secure, she was allowed untrammeled freedom. Burelal had also been the picture of discretion, but he had earlier treated her as one of the many women the chief minister fancied. This had rankled. She wanted to put him in his place. Once when Burilal had gone on leave for a few days, normally he never did, he was a constant presence, so much so that he was called the Burechaya, literally meaning the dark shadow. She managed to get Ram Kumar to stay on. She witnessed the ugly side of the CM sub. How dare you prevent Bhure from coming here? Just because I've married you doesn't mean you own me. How can you send away a trusted staff without asking me? With that, he had disappeared in his car and the next morning she heard that he had left for Delhi and would return in a couple of days. Poonima knew that she had fallen from grace, coupled with the fact that at the center in Delhi, the CM Saab had new and important role to play. He was emerging as the leader of the backward caste. His talents at cutting across party lines on a caste basis as was well known and would be utilized to topple the present fragile coalition government. She was sufficiently worried when the CM Saab's PA wouldn't put her through to him. What had gone wrong? Why was Bhurelal so important? She had always admired his composure, his objectivity in analyzing situations. What had gone wrong? Why was Bhurelal so important? She had always admired his composure, his objectivity in analyzing situations. What had driven him to punishing her like this? 
Poonima's large brown eyes filled with tears. Here she was, just waiting to give him the news of her becoming a mother. With a swiftness which was a hallmark of her character, she got into the white ambassador. Dilli chalo, she commanded the startled driver. Entering the grand lawns of the state bhavan, she saw that her worst suspicions were confirmed. There was Burelal holding court in the lobby of the chief minister's residence. It was obvious that the CM Saab was not there and all these people were awaiting for him. Her arrival broke up the cosy scene and as she was being courteously escorted to her room, she had a brief glimpse of Burelal's smirking face. The afternoon turned to evening. There was a sudden coming and going of people. She knew that the CM Saab had arrived. By the slamming of car doors, before she could even be aware of it, the door of her room flew open and the sight of the tall, imposing figure in a white kurta pajama, crumpled and tired, she forgot all her anxieties. A look at his stern face forbade any intimacies. Besides, there was the evil shadow just behind him. Punima swallowed her tears and in a casual voice asked, You are late? Party meetings? We were working out our strategy. Yes, hello, said the CM sub. I was on the phone, oblivious of her existence. Ah, Punima, an urgent call from the party president. I have to rush. The room appeared dreary and cold. What could she do now? Earlier she had so many friends. They had given way to temporary relationships within the party. As she had grown into in her proximity to the CM, she had been bursting with youth and vivacity, her complexion glowing, secure in the knowledge that nothing she did could go wrong. People envied her fair roses and cream colour, her long hair with a large red bindi and a strong sense of histrionics. She was a great crowd puller. With her marriage, she had sealed her fate. Now people were respectful. The easy camaraderie was gone. Besides, she had no ally. Everyone would only do what the same Saab wanted. She felt utterly alone and bereft. Her parents had stoically supported her, but she could not bother them any longer. Her younger sister was too enraptured with the fact that her didi was married to the great CM Saab to fathom her pain. Somewhere in the recesses of her mind, she recollected Chow, her old comrade from the university days. Her mind went back wistfully to the days of innocent idealism, of the endless academic debates on tactics and strategy. It had been an enchanted existence, where the general good of society motivated everyone. No matter what means they adopted, the CM Saab just fitted into the picture perfectly. He led a simple Spartan life. He had worked his way from up from the bottom of the ladder. He came from the from parents who were traditional barbers of the village. His father had managed to give Jayakishan some education till school level. Then, through scholarships and part-time jobs, he had completed his graduation. With his political success, now the family claimed that they had only served the Brahmins of the village, and by a strange process of logic, they, had also, they also became superior to the other castes. She recalled with a stab of pain how closely she and her friends would watch his political fortunes, celebrating madly any success, how thrilled she had been when he accepted her invitation to speak at the in-seminar. She was initially like a dumb devotee, worshipping at an altar.
to even understand the machine the machine his machinations by the time the mists had cleared it was too late she was married to one of the most diabolical egoistical of men punima shook her head violently no no how could she have such negative thoughts about her husband the dried pinched face of shanti devi floated into her mind's eye were the rumors true that she had not died a natural death she shrugged her shoulders well what could she do about it punima shuddered at the thought that the same fate may befall her if the cm saab preferred another woman burilal's son resembled the cm saab too much for her to completely ignore the special relationship he had with burilal's wife her mind went back to dear old chow of course he was in delhi working with one of the newspapers surely he would understand her pain though he had drifted away from her once she had become involved with the cm with little hope she got into her car bengali market she ordered her driver the little group of people gave her curious looks her every move was watched and she knew her driver sohan would report everything directly to burelal well this time she would outsmart him she acted as if she were on some purely domestic chore it will take me some time i'll shop here and you can park the car in the parking lot there the minute the car meandered off she jumped into a passing auto rickshaw statesman house chalo her heartbeats were sounding like drum beats drumming out some momentous message she couldn't believe her eyes as she saw chow as he, at the open door of the flat he was the same yet different his amazed expression mirrored her own time had treated chow kindly enough his receding hairline had receded a little further even in his student days punima and her friends had treated him as a grave mature elderly friend not quite capable of any irresponsible behavior why was it that she felt a sense of relief when she came to know that he was still unmarried chow's eyes behind his glasses also showed a gleam of sarcasm at her reaction but which went completely unnoticed by punima as she plunged into her tale of woe but you know we all used to worship him he was the epitome of dedicated hard work for the poor and downtrodden he was the beacon of hope even you were impressed by him she's finished accusingly he let that pass okay now that we are sharing confidences i want to know how you agreed to marry him punima flinched defensively what do you mean i married him after his wife died Besides he told me that he had practically no relationship with her it had been a virtually a child marriage he was married when he was in high school the silence and the raised brows finally did reach her you know punima cheating at any level remains so you cannot give it in any other name do you realize that you chose to overlook this and now feel betrayed when you are at the receiving end I didn't cheat. I was honest in my loyalty. Surely I don't deserve this. Where do I go? What do I do? I feel so suffocated. Her voice rose to a quivering pitch. She was addressing the questions to herself. Finish your coffee. You may have the entire day, madam, to discuss such academic issues, but I have to earn my bread. I have to report by 9:15 for the late night shift at the newspaper office. 
She hadn't realized that it was already so late. She could only hope that CM Saab had not returned as yet. Poonima had run out of luck. She peered out of the scooter. She saw standing near her ambassador car two police car, jeeps and some worried looking men. She felt like a guilty fugitive as she approached her room. Her active imagination had several explanations ready, but at that moment she just wanted to shout at the injustice of it all. Here she had been waiting for the last five days to talk to her husband, whom she idolized as the greatest of great men. Instead of him giving her justifications for his abrupt absence, she would have to give excuses for her late entrance. There was a sudden silence as Poonima entered and most of the people left after the CMSA waved an imperious hand dismissing them. So, the question was full of implications. She knew she would be hanged without a trial. Well, anyway, she could cry. I went to Karolbak to shop. I just forgot about the time. Poonima faltered. The car was left at Bengali market. I looked for Sohan everywhere. He had locked the car and so I took a taxi. She was beginning to feel maybe she might just wriggle out of it. Putting on her brightest smile, she began bravely. You know, I came to tell you good news. No change in the cold, angry face. The doctor confirmed that I was and carrying. A lopsided smile greeted this. All the more reason for you not to move around. Anyway, I was planning to drop you from the cabinet. Ah, Bhurelal, now madam needs more rest. Tomorrow we leave early. This last bit of information shocked and hurt her more than the temporary relief of not being caught at her escapade. I can manage my work. In fact, I need to go on leave for a short while only. Yes, and make a laughing stock of me. Why, what's wrong? The doctor advised woman to work for the benefit of both the child and the mother. Poonima cried out hysterically. You and your newfangled ideas. From now on, only what I say will have to be obeyed. Darkness descended on her. She could fight no longer. All her strength was ebbing out of her. Poonima stirred uneasily. She had been living through a nightmare. The searing pain that left her devastated alternated with brief moments of respite before she could make her pleas to God to end her life and the pain came on again, pushing her into an abyss of her agony. She could hear a baby wailing somewhere. It sounded more like a mewing of a kitten. The grim faces surrounding her confirmed her fears. Kya hua? Lalki? Her mother's cascading tears. She troubled you so much. What we will say to her son-in-law she triggered her an anxiety attack. She observed the tiny brown black baby with aversion. She looks just like CM Saab, commented one fat nurse. The other nurses giggled in agreement. So she was ugly to boot. It would have been so different had it been a boy. There would have been fireworks, celebrations and she would have been much first over. Even Bhurelal would have receded into the shadows. She would have made a triumphant entry home. As of now, even her parents were terribly apologetic, as if they were somehow guilty in not being able to give the same Saab a son. Oddly enough, Poonima grew to feel fiercely protective of and attached to her daughter, whom she called Radhe. The more she was rejected by her husband, 
she was it was since it was confirmed that radhe was a mongoloid baby any presence of pretense of welcome was given up purnima gradually grew into a recluse her days starting and ending with the helpless innocent little might jyotishka had heard about how the mongoloid girl grown into a woman was given poison mixed in her opium by choti bai knowing that punima had bone marrow cancer and was not expected to live for long apparently baba had been informed and gone for the last rites she had lived it as if she didn't exist her reality occurs thus kept hidden and unseen from the eyes of those whom the gods had blessed jyotishka had shuddered when she had seen the pockmarked face of choti bai a murderess probably best for all concerned who would have cared for radhe how would baba have allowed it watching her grimace baba remarked you have to be really tough to survive in this world of politics i'll learn from you baba jyotishka smiled demurely he grinned showing old yellow teeth the dentures had been carefully discolored aha you do have the making of a neta the very fact that you married that good for nothing neeraj speaks volumes of your strength hot words of protest bubbled into her lips her mind went back to the time when she had refused the outrageous proposal papa had pleaded and threatened in turns <coughs> what had come got finally done the trick was the fact that she would rule the roost if she played her cards properly after all both of baba's sons had huge thriving export business in handicrafts and marbles and non resident indian status baba lived with his younger brother's family neeraj's mother had died in a car accident years ago jyotishka would be the only female in the house the last bit had assuaged her pain leaving a ray of hope maybe it was not going to be so bad after all neeraj had one younger brother ostensibly occupied in the ever expanding marble export business so she just smiled at him sweetly you do like to tease me baba she remembered in time that she must get that huge farmhouse on the outskirts of the city which was in ponima's name transferred to kolia's baba's eyes held a gleam of pride as he did her bidding you will go a long way with your blessings he was tired the birthday celebrations was getting tiring he hated get parting with even a single paisa but he would not never resist a pretty face and fair skin and always been his weakness baba closed his eyes and dozed off he was backing triumphantly riding in a open jeep ponima made beside him acknowledging the adulation of the people the victory procession nearly took the whole day to complete the mixed smells of marigold and rose garlands that hung around his neck were beginning to suffocate him he was busy throwing the garlands at the delirious crowds he was at an all time high he had led his party to a landslide victory he turned to exchange a look with purnima there she was smiling broadly enjoying the victory lap her face flushed a rosy pink in the sun made her even more alluring 
they made a pretty picture. Suddenly, he was beset with anxiety. Supposing some evil eye fell on her, he glanced around to see her again, but she wasn't there. Where was she? Why did she leave him? Where did Ponyma vanish? There she was, but it was a flickering image, almost blurred. She appeared reproachful, her large eyes brimming with unshed tears. What had she to be happy about? Hadn't he made her a Rani? Radhi's face, with its short cropped hair, turned up laughing, her meaningless laugh, which rose to a crescendo, sending a chill down his spine. Baba, you're shivering. What's happened? As he slowly ticked in his surroundings, an old gnarled hand held a young, soft, petal-smooth hand in a tight grip, hoping to squeeze out the youth and energy and somehow absorb it into himself. Jyotiska was little alarmed. She had heard that Baba worshipped strange powers, which had given him such long life and an almost permanent seat of power. She had also heard the whisperings of an old servant, Tarabai, of the curse the first wife had put on Purnima, and of how Radhe had been the spitting image of Shanti Devi. She dismissed the old woman's rantings as impossible imaginings. Tarabai had described how Radhe sometimes spoke like Shantibai, the same phrases and gestures. What's this woman doing here? He sh- had shouted Neeraj on seeing the old crone. She shouldn't be allowed here ever, he commanded to the staff. Don't get angry. She's just a harmless old woman. She worked for Shantibai years back. Jyotiska had tried to placate him. You don't know. She's known to be having the evil eye. She should not be around you, particularly at this stage when you're carrying. He ended more gently. Baba, it hurts, she cried out. Huh? Eh? You young people are all the same. You want to always acquire and take. Never give anything in return. He mumbled. Hasn't that been your mantra for success, Baba? Jyotishka inquired, all round-eyed with innocence. Bah! You're a wicked woman, he replied with unusual zest. Kolya, come here, as the child flung the door open with angry impatience. He looked at his mother accusingly. Randhi told me that you had left. Then somebody said that Baba was still here. Why didn't you come to the circuit house? Baba dismissed them with a tired wave of his hand. Mama, I'm very angry with you. Why don't you come back to me? protested Kolya, almost in tears. Hush, chupka. Baba has given you something very important on his birthday. I don't want anything. Kolya had that mulish expression on his face. Jyotishka knew that his, this that be, he meant to be difficult for some time. Remember how you loved staying in that farmhouse in Ramgar? So? Well, now it's yours. It made no difference to him. Kolya would not understand why his mother could be so happy about it. In the years to come, the bitter feeling of betrayal would give way to a sense of resignation as he saw his mother drifting away in the whirlpool of political skullduggery as she emerged the power behind Baba's throne. The angelic face was such a mask that he wished to rip it off permanently. The times that he spent with her alone were rare as he had been sent off to one of the most prestigious boarding schools. Kolya, she would whisper in her husky voice, 
see all that I am doing for you. Why do you remain so angry with me? She sighed unhappily. It was so much easier to handle Neeraj and there was in fact a perfect understanding between them. He was perfectly aware of all that was going on but turned a convenient blind eye. The amassing of personal wealth and power had appeared to be the only goal of this famous first couple of the state. They were able to send Kolya to study in America right from his school days. Not that anybody, that anything they did seemed enough for him. What an ungrateful wretch, thought Pratishka. Here I am slogging 18 hours a day, only to be told that cats make better mothers. I didn't say a word when you left the undergraduate course halfway through to take up fashion designing. We were shocked to hear reports of your strange relationships with men. We gave you time to grow up and settle down. No, no, I'll never allow this. It's time you got married to the sweet girl Papa has found for you. Have you heard the saying, history repeats itself first time as a farce and a second time as a tragedy? You're, you were a student of history yourself, Ma, came the mocking reply. Kolya was watching her intently. Power had transformed the once innocent young girl into a werewolf. She more, looked more like Baba with each passing day. He remembered with what difficulty the old man had died, passing on his legacy to his dutiful Baho. In a struggle to defy death, his spirit whispered his critics had entered Jyotiska. Kolya's conflicts with his parents had led him to befriend many people whom his mother disliked intensely. It did not help matters when he realized that Joginder, of whom he was particularly fond, was using him for his own ends. Jogi, as he called, fondly called him, had come to him for placing certain garment export orders. Somehow he was drawn to his sunny, outgoing nature. That was such a contrast to his own withdrawn, introverted personality. He was made much of amongst Jogi's friends, which was very comforting. They appeared a fun-loving group of youngsters without a care in the world. Or was it his own insecurity that made him so dependent on them? One day he was just chanced to overhear a phone conversation between Jogi and his mother on the moon, amount of drugs that he was to be supplied. So all this had been an elaborate charade. Jogi had been a plant by his mother to monitor all his activities. All this in return for getting the SBI, CBI inquiry on his, Jogi's father's irregularities in foreign exchange earnings dropped. If there is there no way out, thought Kolya, am I trapped forever in this never-ending charade? Always a pawn, and my emotions of no importance to anyone, there must be a time and a place where he would be in control of his own destiny. Well, he would tell them, particularly Mama, as to who would make her and make him. Kolya pointed the pistol correctly at his temple and fired. Great job, Chandra. Excellent. This is Alpana.